Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, it's, uh, it's a real privilege to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, as you would know, based on last week, uh, we've started a new kind of series called One from the Heart. And uh, this week I get the, the opportunity and joy of doing that. And uh, I'd like to, to thank Pastor John for that opportunity and, uh, and the privilege of that. If I, if I don't know you, my name is Nick, and I'm the, the worship pastor here at River Life. Uh, before that, I served as the, the youth pastor for six years over at Kenmore. And uh, I'm still working out, you know, which role receives the most banter uh, from people. Uh, usually it's either the youth department or the worship department that receives the most banter. Um, and people love to send me photos and send me memes and remind me of that. And, uh, and during the week, you know, I came across uh, these two photos, which are going to be uh, up on the screen there. As you can see, uh, people have told me it's a rather accurate representation of me. Uh, so I thought today I wouldn't disappoint. I, I am under 30. My hair does go that way a little bit. And uh, I have got the tablecloth on for you today. So uh, I guess you could say that, that I'm obviously where I'm meant to be, okay? <laughs> obviously where I'm meant to be. No, but it really is a, a pleasure to, to share the Word of God with you this morning. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have really, really fond memories of high school sports days. Okay, and when I said that, some of you are going, are you serious? Like, any form of, you know, forced physical activity was not great uh, for me back in school. Some of you are saying, oh, I used to take those days off, you know, wag a little bit. Or uh, maybe some of you, as you were getting into the car with mom, you'd be like, oh, oh, mom, just in the last two minutes, I've just suddenly come down with something so severe that I don't think I'm going to be able to go and do sports day today. Um, but for me, I was probably that annoying guy who took it really seriously and uh, who loved high school sports days. I loved winning. I loved being successful. And I was, I was in successful houses kind of right the way through uh, from primary school through high school. And uh, I was the guy that, you know, if, if my house lost, um, I'd be a bit of a, a wreck for the rest of the night. Mum would, would say, hey, how'd you go today? You know, did you have fun at sports day? I'd say, don't talk to me. I'd say, I'm going to my room, and I'd go in there and release my rage on hours of mindless video games uh, until I could come out and, and be settled again, you know. But God has obviously since redeemed me of those problems uh, in my life, and I, I've moved forward, thankfully. But uh, at our sports days at St. Peter's, you know, one of the ways that you would get points and be successful for your team was uh, if the teachers and judges determined that within your team, you had what they would kind of classify as the spirit. If you had the spirit on display, which basically meant that you were cheering, you were participating, there was unity in that, and you really had your heart on display. And if that was the case, um, they would award you points for it. And those points often, you know, were kind of the, um, the deciding factor in the end. And uh, war cries were a massive part of that. And, uh, and I remember um, a particular war cry that was sort of the, the one that we always used. And, and the war cry went like this. It said, we've got the spirit. Yes, we do. We've got the spirit. How about you? And we would say that. And then as a team, we would point to another team. And the object and aim of, of that war cry was to catch a team that was asleep. 
Uh, because if a team was asleep, then it was very obvious to the judges that, well, obviously they didn't really have the spirit on display. That this team all got up to their feet and basically said, hey, guess what? We've got the spirit. It's really obvious. It's on display. How about you guys over there? And, uh, and often, you know, you'd see like people sitting down and like these two guys would like jump up when the, the call would come and they'd try and like rally everyone. But it would be like two little voices in a whole grandstand kind of going, we got the spirit like. And, uh, you know, and it was very obvious that, that, that they didn't have that. Um, so this war cry would, would go on and on and on throughout the day from team to team to team. And just last week, I was out walking the, the trails of Anstead where I live with my dog Coda. And uh, which I've seen some of you along the way there, so hello again. Um, but I was, talk- I, was, I was out there and I was asking God along the walk. I was like, okay, I've got to, got to speak next week. What do you want me to speak on, God? What, what are you saying? What, what could I share this morning? And you know, so randomly, after 10 plus years, 10 plus years of not really thinking about it, this war cry pops back into my head. And, uh, and as this war cry is going around in my head, I'm like, what's that all about? And in that moment, God speaks to me. He says, I want you to ask the same question of the church today about my Holy Spirit. I want you to ask that same question, I thought. Okay, all right, God. Well, I'm going to store that one away and keep walking. And and later that same day, I was talking with someone, who, who, a friend of mine who's actually um, done, done some work with YWAM. And, uh, and she was telling me about um, the, the church, the underground church in China. She was just sharing stories. And she said, yeah, when we were in North America, all these people from the Chinese underground church came out to, uh, to the churches of North America. And they came out to seek, like, how do you grow your church? How do you, how do you run a successful church? How do, how do we get, get better at this? And so they spent a week with all these different pastors. And at the end of the week, quite perplexed, the, these members of the Chinese underground church said to the pastors, how do you do so much of church without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. How do you guys, how do, you guys do that? And it absolutely floored the pastors. They, they were so convicted. These, these people had come out to, to learn how to grow, to learn how to be better followers. And they just said, how do you do so much without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your church? It's, it's a very, very challenging and very real question to, to ask ourselves as well. How much of what we're doing in our faith, in our life, relies on the Spirit of God? Can we proclaim, like the book of Zechariah, that it's not by our might, it's not by our own power, but it's by His Spirit? Francis Chan, in his book, The Forgotten God, asked the question, could it be today that we've forgotten the one who distinguishes us from every other religion and cult in the world? He goes on to say, we will talk about and even boast in the Spirit, but do our lives bear the fruit of it? Do we speak of the Holy Spirit in theoretical and scholarly terms, but then not experience Him at work? One thing's for sure when we read Scripture, we can't escape the reality and truth of a life that should be wholly surrendered and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Our God, He he intended, and I know this sounds very simple, but he intended that we would engage with the full God, with all of him, the full triune God, not just two-thirds of it. I remember growing up and, and even through my high school life and, and even as I've been to different churches around the place more recently, it's so, so common for us to talk about the Father. It's so common for us to talk about Jesus Christ, the Son. 
it's so common for us to pray about these things, engage with, with these, but not so much to hear the Holy Spirit. Have you ever, have you ever realized that? Have you realized that? You know, that, that I know sometimes, like, if you're used to this place, we really try hard to engage with the Holy Spirit. But other places, you know, you go there and it's sort of like, was that was it even mentioned today? But if we dive into the very Word of God, we see that this least mentioned, arguably least mentioned member of the Trinity is one of the most important ones for us to engage with as, as believers here on the earth for such a time as this. And the book of John highlights to us the significance of the Holy Spirit. And through chapters 14 to 16, we see Jesus telling his disciples, hey, the Spirit's coming, this is what he's going to do, this is how significant he is. And whenever a subject is continuously mentioned for me throughout that kind of portion of Scripture of John 14 through 16, and then even through into Acts, we see it. It always gets my attention, you know, it's taken up a, a, heart, a large chunk of the book, so it, it grabs my attention to, to stop and really look at it. And so I'd encourage you, you to do the same. Read through that, that, that section from John 14 on. But today, just let me highlight this thread that is evident. So we're going to open our Bibles to John 14. And we're going to look at, at verses 15 to 17. And the verses will be on the screens for you. It says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. If we jump down to verse 25, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. If we look at John 15, verses 26 to 27. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And to finish this off, we head to John 16, 7 through 15. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. These are the words of Jesus. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Are you getting the picture here? as we track through as Jesus is talking to his disciples, are you seeing the plan of God? That Jesus himself saying, it's better for you guys that I go so that you get this instead. It's better that, that Jesus is crucified, that he goes to be with his father. It's better that he leaves because you're going to get one greater who's coming instead. He's going to take, take this role from, from here on in. Jesus saying, good news, guys. You're getting an upgrade Take heart. Take heart. And this is our advocate. This is our helper. This is the one who is with us now. 
the one who, as it says, testifies about Jesus, the one who it says will prove the world to be in the wrong, the one who will guide us into all truth, the one who Jesus says will receive from him all that belongs to Jesus and then make it known to us, the one who says, I will bring remembrance all the things that Jesus has said. It's kind of a big deal, wouldn't you agree? Big statements here. This mysterious, often rarely highlighted, Holy Ghost, if you will. The old school Holy Ghost. And get this. At the very, very end of the book of John, it's one of my favorite things, in John 21, 25, it, it kind of wraps up the book. It says, you know, if all of the things that Jesus were to do were to be written down, if all the things he did, there would not be enough books to contain it. If all the things he did, there would not be enough books in the world to contain it. But guess who it says does contain it, right? The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all that Jesus has said. All. A-L-L. All. Think about that. The one who, who knows everything. The one who, even beyond what we get given right here, all the stuff that Jesus did in the secret that we're always like, oh man, I just wish I could, I just wish I could know what Jesus, how he responded to that. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus has said. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? But sadly, you know, I think many people just, they don't engage with, they don't utilize this, this gift. I know there's lots of different reasons for that. But, you know, we might be able to acknowledge that the Spirit's there. We might be able to acknowledge that it's part of the Godhead. We believe that it's all true, but that's often where it stops and settles for us. And I know for me, when I was, was born again at the age of 18, this, this was 100% me. This is what I came into. I did not engage with the Holy Spirit. I could tell you about the Holy Spirit. I could quote verses. I would use language. I knew the lingo. I could say, yeah, I believe that, you know, the Spirit's at work. I would sing songs like, Spirit, fall on me. I could tell you the egg analogy or the ice analogy. If you don't know what that is, you can ask Pastor John later. <laughs> but ultimately, I was really just speaking out of aspiration rather than assurance and experience. It's just all aspiration. Kind of like how I talk to people about politics, to be honest. Okay? I don't really know the details of the parties that I'm going for, how deep those kind of terms and conditions go. But I can sure as heck tell you who to vote for and why it's going to be good for our nation, even as a young kid growing up. But see, the thing is, when it comes to any truth that we read and acknowledge, in order for that truth to be true of us, it has to be stewarded by us. In order for something to be true of you, it has to be stewarded of you. You know, being biblically literate and then being biblically obedient are two completely different things, right? Two different things. See, we can know that God has undeniably set us free, that he's forgiven us, that we're meant to be free, we're meant to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. But if we choose to live in unforgiveness, guess what? We're not going to experience that freedom. That truth is not going to manifest. It's not going to be really of any use to us in that moment unless we take it by the hands and say, this is who I am, so I am going to forgive that person because I've been forgiven. It's the same thing. Like Our God can be a healer. It can say that he is Jehovah Jireh. It can be you know, a provider. It can have all these things that are just so plain to us in Scripture. But if we never pray for someone to be healed, we're not going to see it. We're not going to see it. 
In the same way, we get access to the Spirit. We all get access to the Spirit when we get born again. But I think we can then just so easily assume that He just kind of does His thing. He just kind of sits in there. It's kind of like a squatter in a way, you know. We receive the Spirit, so now He's simply just he's doing His thing. It's all good. Yes, yeah, Spirit of God is upon me to preach and Spirit's leading me, Spirit's guiding me. And whilst there's, there's elements of truth in these statements, as I said, there was a point for me where I began to intentionally engage with the Holy Spirit. I began to pray. I began to act upon it. And the difference that, that I saw was it became true in me and of me. I started to pray and act on what I believe is one of the most powerful yet theologically sound prayers we can ever pray. And it's three words. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. The more I prayed it, the more I interacted and engaged, the more that I believed that what I was praying had had power, and so therefore my life kind of responded to that. The more fruit I saw, the more power I saw, the the things that, that says should happen in Scripture actually started to happen in me. It wasn't an overnight thing by any means. It was, you know, as Pastor DeJoe said the other week, obedience in the same direction for a, for a period of time, right? It was that same thing. You know, we were at, I've been youth pastor for six years. We were at Awakened Youth Camp last year. And, and in the lead up, our whole prayer the whole time was just that, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We want to make room for you. We want to lean on you. We want to rely on you. We don't want this to be of our own might and power. Otherwise, we're just a community club. We're just doing good stuff for good people. We want the Spirit of God to come and transform lives. We want you to take over this whole camp. Use it. Use this weekend away that we have. It was our prayer on and on and on in the weeks leading up to it. And I've been pastoring for five years up to that point. But last year when we were there, we, were there, we saw 15 kids get baptized on the Sunday. 15 kids. We, we could not have conjured that in any way. The, the only difference is we were debriefing as a team, which we always do at the end. We were like, well, what was, the, what was the X factor? What was different? Well, we engaged God. We asked the Holy Spirit to come, and then we, we stepped out in faith on that. It was such a powerful, powerful weekend, but that stuff doesn't just happen without our partnership, without our intentionality. It's by His Spirit, but we access His Spirit through our prayer, through our faith, through our engagement. These things, like, they, they don't just take place on some cosmic calendar, okay? God chose it to be that way. He chose to use you and me. We are his plan A, B, C, and D. He chose to give us his spirit. He said, you know, my spirit is going to clothe you with power. If we already had power in and of ourselves, we wouldn't need to be clothed in it. We need the Holy Spirit. We need it so much. Because you see, you know, it's true of, of my wife, Paula, that she's actually fluent in German. Many of you probably didn't know that, but she has, has German inheritance. She's actually fluent in German. But guess what? In our relationship, we don't ever speak German. She, she doesn't ever, ever use German, okay? It's, it's, it's totally in there, but you wouldn't know that within her are a bunch of exciting words like Henshua, okay, which means hand shoes, which is the word for gloves, right? Hand shoes. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> or kumishbek, okay, which means grief bacon. All right? <laughs> like our excess baggage, right? Grief bacon. Words like that. Paula's German is in there, right? 
but it only comes out when she is surrounded by her family. It only comes out when, we, when she needs it, when we go back to Europe, okay? And it's all of a sudden this thing just kind of comes out of her. But most of the time, it's something that's on the inside of her. She doesn't speak it with our, our close friends or with people that we associate every day. Most of the time, it's kind of just in there, kind of dormant, waiting for an opportunity where it actually is required to be used. And I believe that there are many of us in here today where this could be the point that you've settled with the Holy Spirit. It's like it's there, but it's like it's almost dormant. But we can't afford for it to be dormant, right? We can't afford for it. I think there's something like 10% of the church, of people in Australia, you know, fully, really know Jesus. We need his power to be able to do something which is impossible in a way, you know, but he's given us so much. If we follow the disciples into Acts, Jesus emphasizes to them to wait for the Holy Spirit. It's a familiar story. We know it in Acts 2. The Spirit comes. It's powerful, kind of resembles something from an episode of the show Stranger Things or X-Files. Any X-Files fans out there? You know, something like that kind of takes place. It's weird. It's strange. People think they're drunk when they they look at it from the outside. Flames of fire, tongues, all this sort of stuff. Would have been a very interesting sight, I'm sure, you know. I wonder how you or me would have responded if we were looking onto that. And uh, one of my favorite statements from um, a man, Dr. Randy Clark, who's a friend of us here, one of my favorite statements that he said to me when I was on a missions trip in Brazil, he said, Nick, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter if it's a powerful encounter. It doesn't matter if it's a small manifestation of the Spirit. What matters is what happens when you either get off off the floor or when you walk out of that room. That's what matters. Because the Spirit is given to you unto something. It's given to you for the task that's ahead. I mean, if we look at the impact of the Spirit with these disciples, do you guys remember Peter? Pete? Peter who followed, you know, Jesus? The guy that Jesus was always going, man, are you going to get it? Are you going to get it, Peter? I mean, he doesn't have the best track record. He's in the the conversation with Jesus where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? (laughs) Then he says, I will never deny you. Next minute, Denies him once, denies him twice, denies him three times a lady, all right? Then, later on after that, he manages to cut someone's ear off despite being around Jesus every day and hearing, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, right? He seemed to somehow forget that. He cuts the ear off of someone. That's Peter. Now we look ahead to this same Peter, all right, after his encounter with the Holy Spirit. He features in a new way. It's almost like a new character, you know? Acts 4, 8 to 13, be on the screens. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. 
They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. It gets better. Acts 5, 15, 16. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Crazy. Crazy, right? Not only courage and boldness, but that Peter's shadow, our friend Pete, right? His shadow, not the hem of his garment, his shadow might fall on them as they pass by. The sick, the demonized, all of them are healed. Now that they're filled with this Holy Spirit that they waited for, that they leaned in for, that they pressed into. That same Spirit, friends, is here today. That's the same Spirit we have. Otherwise, throw everything out. Throw everything out. The the way it tracks through, that same Spirit is here today. He doesn't have multiple personality disorder. Okay? He's the same Spirit The same one. For those of us that would humble ourselves, that would come and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Spirit of God, I call on you. Spirit of God, be the center of my faith. Imagine that. Imagine in our world if we were known for the things that the Spirit says is the fruit of Him being evident. If we weren't just known as as people who behave well, as people who do, do good things. But if we were known for something that is so far beyond that people just long for. A real hero of mine is a, a lady by the name of Heidi Baker. Many of you probably know her. She's a missionary in, in Mozambique. She's planted over 10,000 churches, which is uh, incredible. And along with those churches, she you know, digs wells so they have clean water. She feeds thousands of of homeless orphans every day. And uh, she studied before she became a missionary. She studied, she got a PhD at at King's College in London. And uh, she did a PhD in systematic theology. And and since, I guess, the explosion of her her ministry and her mission, all of these kind of prestigious events love to have her along as the keynote speaker. She gets to speak in universities, colleges, to kind of leaders. And they always ask her this one question. What's your evangelism strategy? What's your evangelism strategy? And and humbly, she kind of laughs. She says, our evangelism strategy centers around this prayer, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. She talks about when they go into these villages and they're praying in the lead up and they go into these villages of unreached people groups, all sorts of stuff. They get stones thrown at them. They get spears thrown at them. They get threatened. They go into these places and they say, is anyone sick among you? Is anyone demonized? Is anyone blind? Is anyone deaf? Bring them. We'd like to pray for them. And they pray, Holy Spirit, come. And they see these miracles start to just burst out because they've got nothing else. They've got no, no other strategy. They, that, that, that is their strategy. And they see these miracles come and, and usually the village chief, someone in his family, 
you know, down the line somewhere, is healed. He himself says, who is this? By what spirit, by what power do you come? They say, this is Jesus. He loves you. He's for you. He's your Lord and Savior. And the village chief usually gives his life to the Lord. They plant a church there, Iris sending a pastor, and they start the discipleship process. They start to feed that area. They start to clothe it. They start to bring water and, and train that church up in the ways of the Lord. And Heidi said, you know, it never used to be that way. It never used to be that way until she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was a missionary for years. She was at her lowest point. She was at the point of giving up. She couldn't see fruit. She was prayed for. She received the Holy Spirit. Things were never the same. She now spends hours communing with the Spirit every day, communing with Him. And, you know, she was out here recently in our nation, in Australia, and a friend of mine went and served and, and did some time with her over in Mozambique, and so she invited him out for lunch with a bunch of other people. And they were out at the bay, and they were having a lunch out there, and they were just all sharing a meal, sharing stories of God. And this waitress that was there, my friend was telling me, this waitress would come out, and, uh, and she'd kind of put food down, and she'd kind of look and go back. And then one time she came out, and it was like she walked into a different atmosphere. He said, that's all I can explain. And she started shaking, and she started crying, and she started trembling. She said, what is this? What is this? Heidi looked at her and said, that's the love of God. That's the love and power of, of God. He's real. He's alive. He loves you. Do you know him? She sits down and shares the gospel with this girl, this waitress. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? It's, someone just came in, into contact with what was present, with what was there. And one of the most challenging things someone ever said to me when I was studying was he said to me, does salt and light need all that apologetics? Does salt and light need it? Or can the difference of salt and light be seen? Is it evident when you put salt on something, can you taste it? When you turn a light on in a dark room, can you see it? For this lady, that was so evident for her, this waitress. I know that stirs me so much, challenges me. Challenges me so much. You know, 18 months ago, I was, I was praying with, with a few people from this church for a fitness instructor that we were all with. And we had the, the, the privilege of praying for her at the end of a session. And I was just praying that same thing that, that I, you know, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you doing? If you're here right now, what does that look like? I'm trying to focus on, trying to hear, you know, still small voice, anything. And this random kind of word pops into my head. And I'm, no, I'm just thinking that myself. Just thinking that myself. Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come. Same word stays there. I'm like, man, like, no, like, that, that, that can't be it. But by the end of it, I just was like, I'm, I'm going to share this. You know, what have I got to lose? And so I said to this lady, I'm, I'm really sorry, but does, does this word mean anything to you? And she kind of stepped back and kind of looked at me shocked. And she said, that was the name of the child that I lost in the womb. That was the name of the baby. That, I, that was what I was going to call that baby. And, uh, and we got to pray for her and, and kind of minister with her. And as a result of that, like that lady now knows that in that moment of trauma, that moment of just severe loss, God knew. God knew. He was there. He was there all the way. By His Spirit, He was there. She now knows Jesus personally as well. 
which is just sensational. So, so good. This is the power of the Spirit that's here, the power of Spirit that's available to all of us, that everyone in this room today has access to. The Spirit that's often so neglected in churches by believers around the world. I know some are afraid of it. I know some of it, some people aren't fans of it. I know that in the past some people have misused it. Some find it strange. Some people don't know how to access or engage Holy Spirit or never really understood how significant He really is. But we need the one who Jesus said would clothe us with power. If we keep trying in our own might, our own power, our own strength, we don't intentionally bring God into it, we're going to be forever chasing our tails. It's going to be hard going. Because what do we, in and of ourselves, what do we have? What do we carry? It's like the disciples who said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Pick up your mat and walk. Tangible. It's tangible, you know. Imagine a church that wholeheartedly honors the third member of the Godhead. A church that wholeheartedly puts him in his rightful place. Imagine a church that says yes and amen to being dependent on that same power that we just read about with Peter that others have taken hold of. Maybe today you've been a Christ follower for many years to the best of your ability, but you've never intentionally engaged with the Holy Spirit. Maybe today's your day. Maybe you've never prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've even done our Transforming Our Engaging courses. Maybe you've come on an encounter weekend. Maybe you had a taste of something, but just through circumstances you allowed yourself to kind of be disillusioned by that. Or maybe you just fell back into the same cycle. It happens. Maybe you had a setback once and you've allowed that to become unbelief. God can't get through when there's unbelief. If we don't believe in it, He's not going to manhandle our brains. He's given us that free will. Or maybe just today, like as I've been sharing, maybe just something stirring in you for, for more of that spirit to come alive, to be awakened. That what's on the inside would not be dormant, but it would manifest itself. It would come out in the most amazing, incredible ways. Today it's time to come before God and to set those things right. We can't neglect His Spirit. We can't neglect His Spirit. We need to desire and dialogue and depend on the Holy Spirit continuously. And for me, that's what it looks like. To desire Holy Spirit. To then dialogue with Holy Spirit. And then to depend on Holy Spirit. And repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. So we're going to pray right now. We're going to take a step in that direction, if you, if you would. And so I'd love for you to, to stand.
And Holy Spirit, we just want to come right now and acknowledge you, acknowledge you in your fullness. We don't want to neglect you in any way. We know that you were given for us. So we want to take hold of that amazing gift and promise right now. We want to take it with both hands. We want to step beyond any fear, any neglect, any doubt, any unbelief, any past experiences. We want to step behind, beyond that today, God. And so as a church, we just want to put you in your rightful place. We want to give you permission to just come and have your way every service, every time we gather. Who are we to shut you out, Holy Spirit? We surrender to you. We submit to you. And so I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that there would be a change in our thinking today. There would be a change in our hearts, a change in the way that we approach you. Maybe for some people, you've seen that Holy Spirit. You've seen it kind of like it's just a force out there that you can't really recognize. But you know, the Bible tells us that it's possible for us to actually grieve the Holy Spirit. That's where we see the personal nature of Holy Spirit. You know, gravity cannot be grieved. Holy Spirit, you can, and we do not want to grieve you in any way. So if we have, we just come right now to say sorry. We just come to confess that, to lay that down before you, and to say we're ready to take up the way that we were always designed, to be in step with you, that it wouldn't be by our might or our power, but it'd be by your Spirit, and that that would change the way we do everything about this faith, about this life that we live out. Holy Spirit, just show us what it looks like to engage with you, to take hold of you, that you might fill us, and that you might reach many people through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, Contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.